Happy Saturday, everybody. This is Paul Carruthers. I'm the communications manager for Moto America. And this is Off Track, our weekly podcast. I don't do this alone. I do it with, uh, with my colleague in Ohio, Sean Bice. Sean, uh, good afternoon. I guess I'm going to be seeing you here uh, shortly in, uh, at VIR. That's right. Yeah, back. It's like back to the future a little bit. Here we're talking about Saturday, but uh, we're it's not Saturday as we do this, but it will be when when the fans hear the podcast. But yeah, I'm getting ready to uh, head out tomorrow. I'm. This is one of the rounds VIR that I drive to. It's about an eight hour drive for me, which is about as far as I really want to drive. And uh, you know, I know you'll be flying. Uh, I don't think there are any of the rounds we go to that you drive to, do you? You don't. You don't drive up to Laguna, do you? Um, I have before. Last year, I drove to Utah. I did a little like road trip with oh, my that's right. and stuff. And yeah, you know, I went. I went on this drive by myself to try to find myself, but I didn't. <laughs> how far? <laughs> how far is that? How far is that drive? Uh, how... I think it was about ten hours. Oh, that's pretty far then. Wow. Yeah, it yeah. was about it was about seven hours farther than I've ever gone. So I was kind wow. of losing my mind a little bit. But no, I, I had a good time. But um, why? Why do you? Why do you drive to this one? You know, I think I, I tried it. I tried it in the past when I was working with a couple of teams, and it was more, you know, saving saving money, saving budget. And I kind of feel that way with uh, with Crave and with Moto America a little bit. And it's not too bad. I, I kind of enjoy it. It's funny how you when you go from Ohio to Virginia, you go through West Virginia, and you actually go through a couple of these tunnels that go under the mountains and. There's one particular part where if you roll down your, your window, you can hear the banjos playing. So you really need to step on it and get the heck out of there if you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> so it's it's a little scary. But well, at least um, I now, now I know why you drive. Yeah. So I drive there and I drive to Road America. Oh, and Pittsburgh, of course, because Pittsburgh's only a couple hours from here. So it's not too bad at all. But um, but hey, oh, I, I got to ask you. Oh, go ahead. I'm glad, I'm glad you're saving the company money. Yeah, I mean that's what it's all about, right? I mean, I can I'll uh, I eat roller dogs at the convenience store on the way, so my my lunch budget's pretty low, and uh, you know I can drive. So it's that's not too a bad. that's a that, I think that's our most expensive trip of the year as far as air travel. I don't know what it is, but like um, uh, Orange County to Raleigh Durham's like it, it's just expensive, and I I can never figure out why. And there doesn't seem to be much of a cheaper way, so it is an expensive one. It's weird too because you f we fly into now I've I've actually done it where I've flown into Raleigh New Durham I I've flown into Greensboro and it seems like a, either one is about the same distance from the track it's it's not like the track is real close to any airport plus plus I guess you know those I, I guess you can't get too much further east than there so um, that might have something to do with it from where you are that's truly coast to coast yeah and at, at the last round I was uh, I was fortunate enough to actually get to sit next to our our this week's guest on the on the airplane which was uh, oh okay which, which was <laughs> fine right. but do you have uh do you have a little story before i introduce him or what are you going to do here yeah i want to i want to lead into that so you you i know that you're a longtime uh nfl fan as am i you're a big uh chargers fan and i'm a huge giants fan and a suffering giants fan right now with what's been going on but i i know that you remember uh the Niners, um, I think he was a safety, uh, Ronnie Lott. You remember him, yes. right? Yes. Okay. And I'm sure you've heard you you've heard the story about his finger, right? No. Okay. Let me tell you this story. So, I've I've always been kind of fascinated by this. Back when Ronnie played, and you know he was everybody's 
felt that he was like, you know, the meanest, baddest guy in the backfield for, you know, of any team. And, you know, you didn't want to come up against him across the middle. Back in those days, you know, he'd take your head off. And he, he was definitely a bit of a headhunter and, and a good player. And there was one year where they were getting ready for the playoffs, um, you know, back when I think it was probably when Montana was there or Steve Young. But, you know, they, ha- they were a really good team then. And something happened. He had hurt like the ring finger on one of his hands or something. And it was, it was pretty mangled and it's not uh, an unusual situation for a football player to have that happen. But I guess it was in such a way that he had gone to have it looked at and they told him, well, you can do two things. You can either either have it, you know, pinned and set or you, and you're going to have to go on injured reserve. You're not going to be able to play the rest of the season or you can, you can have it amputated and you can come back like and play in another week and so as the story goes you know this this badass ronnie lott decided to have his finger amputated and everybody's like oh my god he's so committed to football amazing you know what a what a what a hero and all this well as we know this kind of thing comes up and it seems to happen all the time including i know that situation happened at one point during wayne rainey's career he had a, a pinky that he ground down and you know i don't know what they had to do to it but he does have a shortened pinky on one hand and a few years ago uh i know that um garrett gerloff had hurt his pinky and it happens a lot and crashes and uh you know he was trying to make a decision whether to keep it and everybody's like what are you crazy you're like you know 20 he was like 22 at the time or maybe 21 and he they were like you got your whole life ahead of you just let it kind of give it some time and he ended up saving the finger and he's okay uh to this day he's got a little bit of a crook in it but of course a lot of these guys do but have you ever heard that story about ronnie lott and how he lost his finger and he he was such a hero for that yeah i have heard that and and also i've known i know the wayne rainey story and i don't know i've never actually asked wayne about how true it is that he elected to have it chopped off so he could go race or what, what the circumstances were but I kind of like the story the way that it is. You don't really need that pinky. I mean, I guess it depends how big your nostrils are for when you're picking your nose. But, <laughs> like, <laughs> it's not, I mean, unless you play the piano, I guess you could type. I mean, I don't think it'd affect, I don't use that too much in my typing. So, but yeah, uh, yeah I don't know where you're going I with this, but I think I know. Well, it's funny. I don't pick my nose with my pinky, though. That's kind of a esoteric thing that I would think people would do. I like to have, well, no, I guess it's the opposite of that. I like to keep stick my fingers out like when I'm having a cup of tea or something like that. So oh, yeah, I don't really use classy, my pinky. Classy and British. <laughs> yeah. I right. notice when I'm on my bicycle and I use my water bottle sometimes at the light, I look at my pinky sticking out. And I'm, I think, I wonder if everyone's <laughs> like, what the hell is this guy doing? It's just water. But anyway. So. So anyway, I, I was talking to our guest this, uh, this morning, Andrew Lee, about it. I actually had talked to his dad, too, a little bit. And I know he had had a situation with uh, one of his fingers. And, you know, it's one of the things that I wanted to check with him and say, hey, are you cool if we talk about this? Because it's kind of an interesting story. So I'll, uh, I'll pass it back to you to kind of do the intro on this. And then we'll get him on here and we'll talk to him about what, what he's dealing with right now. All right. Well, Andrew Lee is our 2018 Stock 1000 champion. He... Uh, he won three races on his way to the title. He actually started the season with four second-place finishes, and we were starting to think that he was going to be nothing but a bridesmaid, but he turned that around and uh, put in put in a solid end of the season, and uh, it ended up earning him the championship by 47 points ahead of, uh, of Travis Wyman. 
In 2017, he raced Superstock 600, and he finished ninth in the championship. Um, his best result was a second in race two at Sonoma. He's got a lot of laps at Sonoma, and uh, I'm, I think it's one of his favorite tracks. 2016, he did a couple of races with us. We'll have to check with him. I think it was only three races, um, two or three rounds to NJMP and, and VIR, ironically enough. This kid's only 20 years old, and he's extremely fast. He's extremely smooth. He's extremely consistent, and he doesn't seem to make many mistakes. He's also a nice kid. So let's, uh, let's bring Andrew into the room, and we can talk about his, uh, his finger injury and more. <laughs> How are you, Andrew? Hey, guys. I'm doing good. Yourself? Yeah, good. Yeah, we're doing great. Doing great. Better than you. When I talked to your dad this morning, he said you were, he, I called you and he said, oh, he might be still sleeping. He had surgery yesterday. So I understand that was the third surgery you've had on this particular appendage on your body. Can you tell us the story about it, how it happened and what you're trying to do with it? Yeah. So I was uh, down at AFM at Button Willow racing with Graves and going into turn one on my qualifying lap, I, uh, made a little judgment error trying to pass a slower rider and lost the front end. And, you know, it, it wasn't a big crash. So I was, right as I hit the ground, I was pretty confident. I'm like, oh, well, that sucks that I just crashed the bike, but at least all is well. And then I realized that I was stuck with my hand underneath the handlebar and the whole way slide into the ground, uh, through the gravel and stuff. I was pinned under that bike. So that was um a less than a less than great event and I got up and my basically the pinky of my glove just got destroyed and I looked down wow. and there's blood everywhere and I was like oh well there goes that pinky that's not a good thing so um yeah it was it's it's been a pretty eventful couple weeks just trying to basically save the pinky because I got it all the way down to the joint so wow was this did this happen the weekend that we were at Coda? Yeah, it, um, yep, that weekend, that Saturday. Okay, so while while your competitor Travis Wyman was racing a superbike at Cody, you were you were racing as well, uh, but in AFM, and and you had a get off and and got stuck underneath there. And I guess it's one of those things that happened so quick, you probably didn't like you said. It sounds like you didn't even realize you did anything until you kind of got up and looked. Um, that's a tough situation. Uh, I your glove, you know, a lot of you guys, I know, I don't know if your gloves are this way, but I see that a lot of the guys. It seems like the pinky has like a webbing of leather in the glove that kind of holds it to the ring finger. Is are your gloves like that? And oh, that doesn't probably help too much, except for maybe keep it from maybe bending back or something, right? Yeah, my my gloves are not. They're they're apart. Um, I I think okay. the whole philosophy on that's to basically what would have happened to my pinky would have happened to my ring finger if they were tethered together. Wow, that could have been even worse then. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> bad enough with one so I, i'd rather keep it like that yeah so where do you stand as we go to uh as we go to vir what how how healthy are you with that well currently i haven't been able to do too much because we are when it's down to the joint it's really prone to infection so i'm basically just i've been icing it and trying to keep the swelling down going into uh virginia but we got a pretty big wrap on there right now. Just trying to hope that it doesn't get infected. Probably going to take a layer off. I tried to put the my finger in the glove this morning and that just did not go to plan. So currently my glove is in the sink soaking with a screwdriver in the pinky. So <laughs> just trying to make it. With a screwdriver? Out. What's the screwdriver yeah. for? 
Stretch Trying it. to make that pinky. Yep. Trying to make that pinky. Oh, in the glove. Possible. Okay. Yep. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, so your dad said you had three surgeries so far in this. What's the, why the numerous procedures? What's, what's the deal there? So after my crash, I went, went to urgent care in Bakersfield and I didn't really feel like I wanted to stay the night in Bakersfield. So I just did urgent care <laughs> and drove home. Uh, then Monday morning I met with uh, Dr. Farr and I think it was man or Tracy, California, so central. Um, and then they opened the finger up a little bit more to get it cleaned out since it was the joint. Just want to make sure it's nice and clean. And then a couple more times they've just went back in there and cleaned it out. I mean, it's, they're not, I didn't break anything, thankfully, but they're just kind of worried that the infection would make it. So I would have to cut it off. Man. So, so you, you had, you, it crossed your mind like it did with Ronnie Lott and like apparently happened with Wayne and, and Garrett and other people is like, do I, do I amputate this thing? Do I, you know, stick with where it's at? You, you made a decision on that, huh? Um, I don't think I've made a decision quite yet. I, uh, okay. I, I, so as you know, I'm 20 years old, so there's been a few things I've ran through my mind, like one of my passions is racing dirt bikes or or riding dirt bikes at least. And, um, one of my thoughts are you're going to have to grab a lot of clutch on that from time to time. And I don't know if without a pinky that interfere. So I've had that cross through my mind. I know with road racing, you wouldn't have to touch it too much, but I've just yesterday, yesterday we had an, uh, an appointment at the doctor's office that didn't go quite planned. And, uh, the whole time I was like, man, I feel like it just would have been easier to cut this thing off. I would have been out on the bike already. So um, right now the recovery time's looking pretty pretty hefty too. So um, it, it's it's still crossing my mind, but obviously I'm still young and I'd like to have all my fingers. Well, that was the decision that they made with Garrett too. I mean, Garrett, they I I was in on talking to Garrett about this. He was like all in on, I'm going to have this thing taken, taken off. And everybody's like, no, Garrett, you're so young. Don't do this. And funny thing with you, Andrew, is have, I don't know if other people have said this to you, but you always seem older to me than you really are. Have you ever heard people say that? You know, I get both ways. I get either 24 oh. or 17. So I don't really know how old I am. <laughs> Paul and I have the same problem. Yeah. Yeah. You know, when either I got 60 on the plane, <laughs> I got on the plane with Paul and I'm sitting next to him. I'm like, can't tell if this guy just got out of college or if he's going into the senior home. So it just, it's, it was pretty confusing. You know, yeah, I'll take that as a compliment. <laughs> take it how a you will. Guy. I'm, a se- I'm a senior in college. So there, that's how it worked out. That's okay. Yeah. Combine it a little bit. Yep. Now I have to, I have to go back to something you said. So you said when you got hurt, you went to urgent care in Bakersfield and you didn't want to spend the night in Bakersfield. Isn't that where Bryce Prince lives? Do you have a problem with Bryce Prince's hometown or something or what? <laughs> What's the matter with Bakersfield? Uh, you know, I don't think Bryce lives there anymore. So oh, I think he okay. moved down south. So apparently he had a problem with that area too. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you're right. That's, that's Sean, I don't, I don't know what to compare it to with where you live, but nobody wants to be in Bakersfield. Oh, okay. I have no idea. Okay. Yeah, you kinda, you just, if you're driving through, you just grab gas and keep going. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You funny. floor it and go as fast as you can through there. So you got it in your rear yeah. view mirror instead of in your windshield. 
Yep, exactly. So what? This, so I mean, this this the injury. Then it's probably just changing daily, right? I mean, you're like, you, you you wish you had more days, but you don't have too many days. Is it? So you you just kind of playing it by ear, and you're just gonna go for it, huh? Yeah, I mean, I already booked the airfare, so I'm I'm going there, and if I'm already there, I might as well race. So, um, it, it's it's been a it's been a bumpy ride for the past couple of weeks. I mean, it's not. It's definitely not the worst injury you could have, but it's, I guess, if you were going to get injured and it's just a good thing it came on a two-day weekend instead of a three-day, I guess, if there's any bright side to it. But I I, I would like to go in 100%, but sadly, I don't think that's going to be a possibility. Yeah, and where where is it going to... Where's it going to affect you the most? Is it going to affect you? Well, obviously when you're shifting, but I mean, you got some quick shifter action there you can work with. Is it kind of the start? Where, where is it really going to affect you the most? Um, you know, I don't know how much it's going to affect me, but I know I just tried the glove on and I feel like the hardest part might just be getting the glove on and off. Once I, it doesn't bend. Like my finger hasn't really moved in the last three weeks. so. Right. It's just it's just kind of getting it in the glove because it's just going to look like I'm drinking a cup of tea. So <laughs> it's just it's just getting it in and out of the glove. I feel like it's going to be the biggest issue because it's just going to stick out. Yeah. Why Why don't we talk about something more fun? Um, right. <laughs> let's Let's talk Let's talk about that Road Atlanta race because from watching that race, I obviously for anybody who didn't see it. Um, Andrew had an a, a, a amazing battle with Michael Gilbert and basically just stalked him the entire time. And then I don't know if it was a lap. I think it's actually the last lap that you made your move or the second to last lap. Mm-hmm. But I, I thought from watching that, it was, it was, it, I thought it was a classic Andrew Lee type of race because I thought it was very well thought out. And I thought your racecraft was really good. I almost felt sorry for Michael when I was watching the race because it's like, I could almost I could almost see what was going to happen, and he obviously couldn't. I mean, he's in that horrible position of leading a guy by 0. .0, .0, .1, yeah. .0 for all those laps. And as you know, because I'm sure you've been in that position before, it's pretty difficult. But um, talk to me a little bit about that race, because am I right? I mean, it felt like to me like you knew how it was going to play out, and you just waited until it was time to pull the pull the trigger. Yeah, so... The first round, it was basically, I got off to a pretty uh, average start. Him and Stefano Mesa got in front of me. So I, for the first, I think Stefano led the first lap or first two laps. And then I saw Michael got past him. And I was still behind Stefano going into turn 10 at the bottom of the hill. And I made a pass on him. And I just knew right then I had to put pressure on Michael. So Michael had a lot of good pace this weekend or that weekend and I just had to make sure to be there and not let him get away because he's fully capable of that. So I, I was struggling in the first sector quite a bit with my front end, but I um basically just held in for the race. He's a little bit smaller than me too, so he got in a little bit of a better tuck going down that long straightaway. So basically my strategy that whole race was there's no point for me to lead through that straightaway because He's a little guy and he's just going to get past me. So I was hoping that I can use the draft to my my benefit. And going into the last lap, he actually pulled a little bit of a gap and I started stressing out coming out of turn seven 
or get, get it on the back straight. I was like, oh, shoot, that, that's a big gap. I don't know if I'm going to be able to get that one. And uh, started closing up. I tried to get as small as I could and then passed him down at the bottom of the hill. And I feel like I kind of screwed up that little chicane a little bit. So I was pretty stressed out, but I knew I had a good enough run up over the top of the hill. And I was confident on the brakes going in the last corner. So I didn't protect the inside that much. Um, I, I wasn't expecting him to come up the inside because I was pretty confident on the brakes. But no, it, it was definitely a really good race with Stefano and Michael. And so it, it, I was pretty happy with coming away with the win first race of the year, kind of backing up the the number one plate a little bit. Um, this weekend's going to be a little bit of a different story, but I was just pretty happy with the last one. Well, it's funny in the press conference when we sat there, we were talking and, uh, you know, it was cool that you and Michael are such good friends. And you even said something to the effect of, you know, you made Michael do all the work and then he kind of swooped in at the end. So is that is that kind of that's kind of how it went, huh? Yeah, that's kind of how it went. I just like I said, he's a smaller guy. So I knew I, I'd have to work really hard on the other parts of the track to keep him behind me. But mm-hmm. I knew he had the pace to to run with me no matter what. And then he'd just be. I w- basically, if I passed him a lap earlier, he would have done the same thing to me going into 10. So I kind of just had to sit there and be patient. Do you expect it, Do you expect him to be your biggest rival all year? Do you think, I mean, obviously at that race, you guys were, were a bit ahead of everybody, but do you think they're going to c- get closer as the, as the season goes on? Yeah, this year there's a lot of strong, strong guys in there. I mean, Michael's definitely going to be a good one because he's, he was runner up in the stock 600 championship and he absolutely destroyed me that year. So obviously he's always been a competitor that I've been targeting. So it's going to be good to have some close battles with him. Travis Wyman and I battled a lot last year and I fully expect to see him, especially after Superbike at Coda, which it seems like he did pretty well at. I expect him to come up there. Um, The Altus rider, Miles Thornton, I feel like he's going to be there. Um, And then, if Mesa does any more rounds, he'll definitely be there. But there's there's definitely going to be some good competition. And I feel like out of everyone named, I feel like there's no reason not one of them can't win. So I, it's just going to keep us all on our toes. Yeah, I mean, do you think that with Travis going to Coda, uh, you know, and to your point, he did do really well there. I mean, obviously, he put some extra bits and pieces on the bike to make it more super bike spec. But it has to be a boost to his confidence coming in. And I'm sure he's going to be fairly stout even more than he was that first round did it did it cross your mind at all did you consider going to Coda or could you you just not fit it into your program this year um well I've all I always want to race superbike because ultimately that's the goal is to get out on the superbike grid hopefully do that next year but this year I have some obligations to be racing AFM with Graves Kawasaki so um I just knew that Coda this year wouldn't be in the playbook, but hopefully next year I'll be out there. What's the AFM schedule? How many extra races above and beyond Moto America will you actually do this year? So I think it's seven or eight rounds minus one because there's a contradicting round between Barber and a Thunder Hill race with AFM. So I'll be missing that round to do Barber. So I think that's six six more races at AFM because I didn't race last time. And then I'm going to be flying back over to Japan to do a super stock race. 
Yeah, are you doing the are you doing the uh, Suzuka again this year, Andrew? No, not this year. Sadly, there, like I said, there's a um, I had to be out there with Graves. I mean, it's definitely I'm happy to be doing it, but the, yeah, I think the eight hour contradicts with another AFM round in. Uh, the goal oh, is to okay. get another AFM number one plate, but right now I'm I'm a foot behind, so just gotta power through with the team. They're they're obviously there every round to better the program and better me. So I think next round with the Graves boys is going to be better than crashing in turn one. So, <laughs> so you got a little bit like what JD's going, although JD's in a dis- different discipline with uh, American flat track, but you're pretty much all in on another race series and a, th- a third situation in Japan. You, you got a pretty busy schedule as well this year. Yeah. I mean, it's pretty busy, but it's actually, uh, it's a lot less busy than last year. Last year I did three championships in America. Then I did the Suzuka eight hour, which I had to go over three times to do. So, um, (laughs) this year it actually feels like a a little less pressure than last year's. Well, so you've been keeping up this intense schedule. Yeah. You seem like you're pretty, you you seem like you're really hell bent on, on, on racing Superbike, And I think you're taking the right path by, by jumping to the thousand. Is it, do you just feel, do you feel more comfortable riding the big bike than you do a 600? Is that why you've kind of chosen this path? Yeah, I'm a little bit of a bigger lad, but, um, so that's, I think I fit the 1000 a little bit better. I rode the, uh, Kawasaki 636 a couple times this, uh, January. So I kind of, got my feet wet in that a little bit but um i feel like the main reason my dad and i decided to go to stock 1000 was our our 600 program was wasn't the best and it was it was basically stretching me and my dad pretty thin so we decided that stock 1000 and with the support of my crew chief would probably be the best best choice and it's a little bit easier on my family so Tell uh, tell us, Andrew, about the, the Stock 1000 class, because I think one of the things with some fans, there's been some confusion. I mean, I know sometimes people will, will kind of ding us on our, our grid for Superbike. You know, we have maybe 14 or 15 riders, and I, I never really understand that because – just because you have a huge grid doesn't necessarily make the racing uh, any more competitive or exciting because you're still going to have those factory teams and the, the front runners up there battling it out no matter what. Um, sometimes it could be a detriment with with back markers, and I'm, I'm not speaking about you, you specifically, but now that we've separated it out, I think there may be 18 entries in this Stock 1000. So the Stock 1000 class now is a legitimate standalone class as the superbike class is to, can you tell us about what that class is doing? I know, obviously you've said it's a stepping stone for you for superbike, but I mean, you, you could be racing in super sport and then jump up to superbike if you wanted to tell us about what, what stock 1000 means to you. Yeah. So, I mean, what was it? Two years ago, super stock 1000 and superbike were combined. So they, they took it apart and made it stock 1000 which, you know, I, I feel like it's a pretty good class. There's really good competition, and it's a, it's a pretty basic bike where you don't have to worry about too much upgrades, um, which, which I feel like makes the competition a little bit better. It's more of the rider's class because the, there's not much you can do to that bike. 
So I feel like compared to the old Superstock, you had a little bit more adjustability to the to the chassis of the Superstock bikes compared to our stock bikes. So I get a lot of people asking me why why I'm not running Superbike pace, and you know, obviously that's on a stock bike. It's it's kind of difficult to run with a with a Superbike, but um, I just feel like it's it's a really good kind of showcase for talent on on the bigger bikes so to me it just kind of it kind of gets you a little bit of credibility I, I mean my goal is to basically get in some good fights with the my competitors and kind of just show that that class has good credibility and plus i don't know if you know this sean but with the kawasaki contingency i think andrew lee might be our richest guy in the paddock <laughs> Is that true, Andrew? <laughs> you know, actually, I just went to Starbucks for a little bit, and they rejected my card, so I don't know. <laughs> they're, they're like, can you really afford this uh, mocha frappuccino? I was like, I don't know if you guys should be saying this to me. Like, I feel pretty bad already ordering a girly drink. Now they're just kind of raining on my parade even more. So I, I wouldn't say uh, that's I'm the funny. richest, that's for sure. But the, but the, but the, con the contingency is really good, though. I mean, it's like... I mean, you know, again, thanks to Kawasaki for stepping to the plate, but they have uh, they have put a lot of money out there on the table, which is which is obviously good for guys like you and Michael and whoever else is on those yeah. on those Kawasaki's this year. Yeah, it, it's a good bike, and I'm I'm just happy that Kawasaki sees that there's an opportunity to help the series out and help the competitors. So um, it does help. The contingency really does help to get me to the next round. So um, it. It's a good thing to have, that's for sure. Tell us about so you have you have a sponsor this year that is unlike any sponsor we've ever had in our series, and it's it's interesting. Talk about the sponsor, how you got that sponsor, and what you expect to have go on. I mean, it's early days in this season, and even with this sponsorship, Andrew. But I I assume they're pretty happy with what they've seen so far, and and I'm sure you want to carry them into Superbikes. So give us the whole rundown on this sponsor. It's very interesting. Yeah. So this year we we ha thankfully we had the number one plate to help from my ch championship last year. We approached Franklin Armory, I think actually at the last round of AFM last year and kind of got the doors open thanks to Casey Gager. So we, thankfully, actually the, the president of Franklin Armory used to race AMA Supersport. So he, he's familiar with the series. Um, so we, it, it's it's like you said not much not nothing really compares to the the sponsorship i've got a lot of positive vibes from it and i'm expecting some not so positive vibes maybe soon since it is uh a, you know some could say it's a controversy um right so i i just feel like guns and motorcycles kind of go together because they're both fun like for me as a country boy i've always had fun with both so um yeah actually the i just got back from the indianapolis nra show with franklin army and you know it there was a lot of positive vibes from the people at the show a lot of people were familiar with ama the old ama so i kind of was telling them a little bit about our series and 
I think I got a few of them to come out to Virginia and Pittsburgh and stuff of the likes. So it, it's kind of cool to see the the combination of two two lifestyles coming together. And I think that's that's what we're trying to accomplish is kind of a combination between motorcycles and guns more so because it's just two of them. They're both badass. If you ask me, I don't know. I might be a little bit biased, but <laughs> it, it's just it's a really cool thing that we have going for this year. Yeah. And I mean, I actually read up on Franklin Armory. I mean, they're a legitimate company. They actually outfit and do a lot of work with law enforcement too. And I believe military as well. So it's not like they're just into recreational firearms. They're, they, uh, you know, they're helping to protect, uh, you know, I guess our protect people. They're, they're related to safety in that way. I mean, I understand the controversy of it, but they also have some pretty good clientele, wouldn't you say? Yeah, they do a lot with that, and even they just they're releasing a new a new gun for overseas use uh, law enforcement. So they're they're more so on the safety of everyone. It doesn't just have to be America, even though they're they're an American company. Everything in the in their shop is made in America, employed by all Americans. So, but their interest is for the betterment of society in general. So it's definitely great to have really positive support behind me. You, you were telling you me can... that when you were at Keep going. Oh, yeah, you were telling me that when you were at the show in Indianapolis, Andrew, uh because of the fact that that's only a couple hours from Mid-Ohio and actually where I live, Mid-Ohio is about 45 minutes from here and of course everybody around here is always harping about when we going back to Mid-Ohio and we you know, we continually tell that story about the fact that the sur- because of the way the surface is and certain features of that track, we just can't can't go there you know they're supposedly going to resurface it at some point here and we're always trying to look at it um but you said you you've had some fans that were talking about that that track and you also talked to them about pittsburgh as well is is that correct yeah we so we had a lot of people come up to the booth to check out the bike that we had there and i had a lot of people that came up talking about the old ama at mid ohio and then i had a lot of people talk about oh when are you guys coming back to the indie indie track so there was a lot of people really interested in it and I obviously we don't go there currently. So I just kept throwing everyone towards Pittsburgh and road America. I'm like, you guys just need to come out to one of the races. At least I even, <laughs> I, I was just basically, I felt like I should have had a moto America shirt on because I was just sales pitching <laughs> so hard. Um, but no, it, Good it's man. really, it's really, it's really cool to see that people are interested. So it's just, trying to get the name of the sport out for for everyone yeah that's great i'll I'll make sure you get a shirt andrew for your next public appearance (laughs) so you can continue your your good word (laughs) and speaking in the word of moto america (laughs) can you sign that for me (laughs) (laughs) i'm I'm pretty sure you don't want that oh no i think he does want that he wants that So um, let's you know, talk about what are the, what do you think that what do you think realistically your chances are of of of, of turning that program into a superbike program? Um, you know, it, it takes a lot to go superbike racing, so I'm not quite sure on the likeliness of of that. I know they're they're definitely happy with how the program's turning out this year, so hopefully we can turn that into something next year. But I think the main goal is to kind of just prove our program this year and maybe pick up some support for next year to get, 
go do some super bike. It's got to be it's got to be a good feeling to wake up every morning and go, God, I'm only 20 years old. I mean, like <laughs> you, you could, there's a lot of things you could do in the next three or four years and you're still only 24. So, I mean, you do have that going for you. Yeah, I, I don't, you know, it's, it, may, it might be a detriment to, to a little bit of my person, personality traits. I, uh, I actually wake up and be like, man, I'm 20 and Marquez has already won like four championships by the time he was 20. So <laughs> I, I definitely, you yeah, know, but he's a freak. It, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah, he definitely is. He's a talented freak, but I, I, yeah. de- I do wake up and I'm thankful for where I'm at currently at 20 years old and how, how my support with my family's gone for ever since I got on a motorcycle. So it's definitely thoughts that go through my mind, but I, I don't feel like I'm ever complacent. I just want to, I just want to go out every day and find a way to make myself better than I was yesterday. So I wake up and I'm, I'm just ready to try to go win another championship. You know, um, it's, and you know, I have read, this is kind of a side thing, but uh, Paul, you may know this too, because you, you've had kids. And I know with my 24-year-old son, I remind myself all the time that I've been, I've read and been told that the human brain isn't even fully developed until you're 26 years old. So sometimes with my son, and I mean, he's doing doing great now, but I always think, well, he's got a couple more years to figure it out. Andrew, <laughs> you still got an undeveloped brain. You got so much more to do and you're pretty, you're pretty together now. I mean, racing in Japan and all the stuff that you're doing. So I, I can't wait to see what's going to happen by the time you get 26. You know, I wouldn't say I'm together. I mean, I'm sitting here on the couch. My back hurts. My fingers in the ice pack. I've got a glove in the sink. So, I mean, looking down on it, it doesn't look like my stuff's together. But I, I appreciate the support. Well, and, and Sean, I, I think an underdeveloped brain is probably the most the best thing you can have if you race motorcycles. Yeah, that's right. I mean, the fear, the fear part is not even developed yet. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's for sure. I think that I, feel, I think I, that's I, I think that's Gilbert's biggest problem is he's too smart. Yeah, <laughs> I you know I get compliments for being a smart racer. Then I look at it, and I'm like, man, I feel stupid every time though. <laughs> I, there's not, I don't feel intelligent because I'm racing motorcycles at 160 miles per hour. So. I feel like there's a lot better life decisions, like, you know, doing an office job and doing some desktop work, but it's definitely not, that's definitely not as fun as what we're doing. Yeah, but the thing, and also think about this, if you were sitting at a desk all day, you would never have the life decision of whether you should chop your finger off or not. That's right. You know, I don't think that's a life decision I'd like to make, but (laughs) (laughs) I've made the career choice to have to make that decision. I feel like everyone would rather keep all their body parts intact, but yeah, it's, it's, it's a different situation you have to think about. Yeah, that's for sure. Well, think about this, Andrew. I mean, so Roger Lee uh, Hayden a few years ago had a crash and I think he had no choice but to have, you know, half of that, one of his pinkies taken off. And after that, I mean, he landed that nugget of a wife, Dana. I'll tell you, the chicks dig dig the you know the scars and stuff. So you got that going for you too. Don't don't sell yourself short. <laughs> yeah, I I feel like that my finger will maybe scare away more girls than it'll attract. Though I mean, it, it doesn't look pretty currently, and I don't think it's going to ever look pretty. So I think my hand modeling career is over. 
I just think you change your Tinder profile photo to just a shot of your hand. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Um, that, you know, that's not hey, a bad idea. <laughs> hey, I know we're getting close to the end, but one of the things I wanted to ask you about, uh, I, I didn't realize, so this situation you have with, with um, racing in Moto American with AFM, well, in my head, I thought, and this is my overdeveloped brain. I just don't get this, but I finally, it finally, finally de- <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it really is. Uh, I, I didn't realize, so you've got a bike kind of dedicated to what you're doing in Moto America and you've got another bike that's kind of dedicated to AFM and they don't, one's in one place, one's in the other. Can you talk about how, are they pretty close to the same? I mean, I know that you get, you've got some support from Graves, I think on both sides, maybe you've got more support in AFM with Graves. Just kind of give us the differences between the bike if there are any bikes if there are any. Um, well, they both came out of the same shop, so they're basically identical. Um, for for my AFM program, I I pit out of the Graves canopy and I have the Graves crew behind me. And for Moto America, they're on the west coast, and it's just Derek and I on the east coast. But we still have a little bit support from Chuck and Chris from graves so the, the programs are pretty similar and there's definitely support from graves which obviously i couldn't go without it's it's one of the well-known brands and everyone knows that if it's a graves bike it's going to be successful so now it's just up to me to be successful <laughs> and and you mentioned chuck of course you're talking about chuck graves the other person i want to be clear you're talking about chris lessing i'm sure who's an absolute suspension yes. guru the guys worked in in grand prix when i was working with yamaha i mean he's ab- absolutely one of my favorite people on this earth he really is i actually just like to sit and listen to him talk i don't understand a lot of what he's saying because of his accent and the technical aspects of what he's saying but i i, I just enjoy the guy so much and that's great so he actually works on your suspension then yeah well like like you're saying, I don't really understand him much, so I just try not to listen to him. Um, but yeah, he's a great guy. He he's definitely knowledgeable on everything because every everywhere he's been. So I definitely I appreciate all the support from those guys, and I always uh, it's a cool it's a cool atmosphere working with the Graves guys. I mean, it's 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 like it's like a big family. I mean, you just kind you walk into the canopy and you just feel welcome to be there. So. I'm definitely grateful to be in that situation. What's the situation with Braden Nort? Because he's kind of pitted with you. I mean, he's got some grave support this year too. Uh, you're kind of quasi teammates. Did you did you guys get together? Do you get together at AFM? And do you, did you talk at Road Atlanta? Do you plan to talk at uh, at VIR? Can you tell us about that relationship a little bit? Yeah, I never planned to talk to the Canadian, but he he always shows up, <laughs> and I kind of have to deal with him. So, I mean, he shows up to California. I'm like, dude, that's where I'm at. Like, I don't come up to Canada and bother you, but he, he comes down to California and bothers me. So I'm kind of stuck with him everywhere. I, I just feel like he's going to move in one of these days. I just, you never can tell with him. <laughs> but well, yeah. if he moves, if he move if he moves in, maybe you can convince him to have a hairstyle like yours, right? So actually on that topic, so. We are teammates at AFM, and then we we pit together at Moto America. And um, as racers, we we always have a little bit of ego. And I was feeling cocky at round one of AFM, so I made a bet with him. And maybe you guys can kind of out him for me. The bet was if I beat him in the the premier class at AFM, he has to cut his hair. 
and I beat him wow. and he still, and he still has the long haircut. So I don't know. I don't know how this is going to work out, but maybe one of you guys brings like a set of clippers and I, I could take care of that for the live stream. <laughs> yeah. He, I mean, he can't, he can't go back on that bet. That should not be allowed. No, I mean, there's I know no way. Canadian. Right. Right. I don't <laughs> yeah. even think Canadians get to welch on a bet like that. No, I don't think not. so. Canadians are known for being nice and that's not a very nice move that he's doing. So I, yeah, I don't exactly. know. Maybe Moto exactly. America has some scissors I can borrow and take take them to the barber shop or something. But it's definitely no. <laughs> it's a cool thing. I enjoy I enjoy working with him and having him in the pits is always nice. Just when you yeah, he's an there. awesome kid. Yeah, you guys have a similar kind of. Uh, I, I guess your demeanor is kind of the same. Um, he's he's a little quiet. You're a little quiet, but you also have a, a pretty good wit. So that's got to be fun with you two guys working out, being together like that. It's awesome. Yeah, I'm, I've been told to be quiet because I never have anything good to say. So I just kind of shut my <laughs> mouth and go along with my with my own my own day. Oh god! All right, let's end it on that. I'm okay. gonna, um, I'm gonna I'm gonna see you guys. Are you on my flight tomorrow, Andrew? <laughs> I don't know. We're, we're, I hope not, but we'll see. <laughs> you know that was I the best four hours me of your life. <laughs> no, they yeah, actually they, maybe. we caused too much havoc on that flight, so they're actually putting me in the cargo bay this time. Yeah, we were, we were, we got a little out of hand there. All right, guys, yeah. well, we'll we'll catch up with you guys in uh, in beautiful Virginia. It's uh, one of my favorite tracks. I like that place. It's got a kind of kind of nice soulful vibe to it. I, I kind of like the big barns and stuff and the media centers in a barn and techs in a barn and everything's in a barn there. So it's, uh, it's kind of fun, but, uh, <laughs> and, we'll and Virginia is for lovers. Virginia is for lovers. Remember? Yes. That's why yeah, I'm you're definitely on your you. own flight. Yep. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not even getting on the same flight as you now that I think about it. <laughs> yeah. Cause I have my Virginia is for lovers t-shirt that I'm wearing tomorrow on the plane. So <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah i'm avoiding you all right you all right you guys um and uh to, to our listeners let's not forget our listeners if any of them are still listening to us they're probably disgusted and signed off but anyways thanks for uh thanks for joining the podcast and listening to us every week and uh you obviously know where to find us because you found us this time and you found us last time and uh, hopefully you find us next time so good luck this weekend i hope you're uh I hope your pinky starts to come in so it doesn't look like you're drinking wine going down the back straight. But uh, we'll see you there. And Sean, we'll see you there as well. And uh, Sounds yeah, good. look forward to it. Bye, you guys. All right. Awesome. Guys. Bye. Take care. Bye. Thanks.